the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I feel like I was just here. Good morning. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today on News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. It is chilly outside, but you know what? It's not snowing, so I'm feeling quite all right. Good to be with you today and welcoming you to join the conversation as well. 303-696-1971. That is our telephone number. You can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone and a couple ways that you can reach out to me on social media directly. I'm at Sang Center. That's Sang with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. As well as on Facebook at Jimmy Sangenberger Pro. Or you can search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality on Facebook. Plus, a couple ways to email yours truly directly during and after the show. One, Go to 710knus.com and go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page. Of course, I host the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 right here on 710knus. Plus, you can email me via my website at the contact page there. That's jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all ease all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. So lots of ways to get in touch with me today. And, of course, again, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. I appreciate the welcome from Alexa. Welcome back for round two, technically round three of fill-ins this week. Uh, Yes, round two because I filled in yesterday, but round three because it was both Deborah's show and Stefan's show that I did yesterday. So the trifecta is being complete today of all three shows in a row, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you today. Thanks for being along for the ride. We've got a great show today. Some phenomenal guests, three powerhouse women will be joining us coming up in the next hour. My good friend Rashini Rajkumar, who is, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. She's the host of a podcast called The Crisis Files, really has a keen understanding of how to address communication and crises. In fact, is a coach on communication and crisis. And a really good one who's worked for high-level executives and more. And I always welcome her insights. We're going to talk about the insanity that is the Biden documents scandal. Because it is a big deal, especially because the Biden administration has been so inept at how they have handled this. At least that's my belief. We will see what Rashini contends in that regard. She's also a licensed attorney, and she is the author of a book called Communicate That, Your Toolbox for a Powerful Presence. So Rashini is going to be up in the 7 o'clock hour. Then coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, 
We will be joined by Aurora City Councilwoman at large, Danielle Jurinsky. She just was awarded $3 million in court in a civil decision, civil court decision from Robin Nissetta. The $3 million is supposed to come to, from Robin Nissetta, the former Arapahoe County Child Protective Services employee who was previously the girlfriend of former and then chief of police in Aurora, Vanessa Wilson. Now, Wilson was very much um, criticized by Jarinsky, including on this station, and Nisetta apparently took after Jarinsky very viciously, accusing her of sexually assaulting her two-year-old little boy. Uh, Nisetta accused Jarinsky. And, I mean, absolutely heinous. And this judge in the civil proceeding found that, yes, indeed, Nisetta did that, and, oh, you need to pay her $3 million. We're going to dive into that story with Danielle Jarinsky. There's lots to discuss there. And there's also something to be said about a candidate for Aurora City Council named Chris Rhodes, who had some disgusting things to say about this whole situation vis-a-vis Jarinsky. So Danielle Jarinsky coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. And then finally, Danielle DiMartino Booth will join us. If you watch the Fox Business Channel, she's frequently on there as an analyst of Federal Reserve policy, inflation, and more. She is the CEO and chief strategist for Quill Intelligence, LLC, and for nine years was an insider at the Dallas Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. We're going to get her thoughts on what's going on with this impending meeting on February 1st of the Federal Open Market Committee. That would be the Fed's committee that decides whether or not they're going to raise interest rates again. What does it mean? What's the significance? We will dive in and get her thoughts and break it down in Simple terms as well. She's an excellent guest, and I'm looking forward to talking with Danielle DiMartino Booth. So our three main guests coming on the program today, Rashini Rajkumar, Danielle Jarinsky, and Danielle DiMartino Booth. As we get rolling along, Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler right here on News Talk 710-KNUS. We really do have... A great deal that is happening in the world today and so much that we can really talk about on the program. And there's lots to discuss regarding, of course, the document situation. We're going to get a different perspective from Rashini Rajkumar on that, her unique perspective. But I want to begin with something that's strangleholding Colorado's service economy. Could anyway stranglehold Colorado service economy restaurants in particular that have been struggling to come back post pandemic. They were put through the ringer because the all knowing, all powerful government swooped in and said, Hey, we're going to shut you down over this thing called COVID. We're going to force you in many cases out of business. We're going to put these requirements for what you have to do in order to reopen your business, so on and so forth. We're putting you through the ringer. Now we're out of the pandemic, and we're going to keep it going. 
The Denver Gazette editorializing yesterday about what they call an assault on Colorado's service economy. News emerged last week of what could be the mother of all business-busting legislation, labeled Fair Workweek Employment Standards. Isn't that nice? The Fair Workweek Employment Standards. A measure soon to be introduced would dictate details of work schedules, pay, and other conditions for service workers across a broad swath of Colorado's economy. If adopted, the radical policy shift would make day-to-day operations nearly impossible for a host of businesses, even entire economic sectors that rely on flexible shift workers. And Colorado's restaurants would be among the hardest hit. In fact, almost every food and beverage establishment, alongside retail businesses of any kind, would have to dole out predictability pay to workers sent home early due to the slow business or other unforeseen circumstances. Now, this is absurd, and it is put, they put a pin on it in this editorial. That's right, an industry that by definition can't know in advance how many patrons will walk in the door on a given day or evening would have to pay workers for work they didn't do. They would have to pay workers for work they didn't do. Only another pandemic would be worse, they note. Here's specifically what this bill would require among its many dictates. It is absolutely outrageous. You want to talk about the all-knowing, all-powerful government coming in to micromanage an industry? Or multiple industries? Affected businesses would have to be told their work schedule 14... uh, Affected employees, excuse me. Affected employees would have to be told their work schedule 14 days in advance. Nearly impossible for much of the service industry. For example, my girlfriend's in the restaurant business is is a manager at a high-level restaurant in the Denver area. And she stressed that, look, it is impossible for us to just say 14 days out, oh, these are the people that are going to be working and expect that we're going to need them definitively and also that when we bring them in and we go through the day and then eventually we have need to send them home, we know that that may happen. And you can't predict that. And if we have to cut them to send them home, then and then they have to pay them still. How can you even function? How can you do that? Indeed, the next bullet point here, employees would have to be paid a full hour's wage for any time added to a shift and two full hours wages for any time subtracted from a shift. So you have a day that you expect is going to be a little bit busier, but it's not and you got to cut them. You got to send them home. You still have to pay them. And in fact... You have to pay them for two full hours wages that they didn't work. 
Or if you add time to the shift, then you got to do a paid full hours wage. Laying off workers or simply shutting down could, as the Gazette points out, be the result. And finally, overtime pay would be mandated for any hours an employee works within 12 hours of the last shift. Again, overtime pay would be mandated for any hours that an employee works within 12 hours of the last shift. What in the world is going on here? Talk about these micromanagement policies that the legislature is trying to bring down, and there's no reason for it. I want to bring Billy in on this conversation because, brother, I, I think when we look at an issue like this, Businesses have been put through the ringer. They already have this paid medical and family leave program that has weeks and weeks, I think up to 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave that's required that you might lose your employee for that period of time under law once it kicks in next year. You have uh, discussions that are understandable. We can have about the minimum wage and some basic policies. Fair enough, there's going to be those kinds of discussions. But you put all these together and you put new things like this on top of businesses. How in the world are they supposed to survive, especially coming out of the pandemic hits? This is a a difficult one because I I understand why mm. the the rules they're trying to, but I think they're misguided. And and the the thing is, what I the difficulty for me is I, I've spent time uh, both managing inside of restaurants and also being the base employee inside of restaurants. And being that base employee, there sometimes are busy days as you outline, and sometimes slow days. But at the end of the week, that also can sometimes dramatically impact your weekly wages. That True. if if I am if I am the you know FNG the the newest guy there, and we are I'm, I'm scheduled for a you know a six day run, and out of those days, three of those days were slow, so I get sent home early. I end up losing some of my potential income, and my landlord doesn't care, the the utility company doesn't care, nor does the grocery store care. And I think that's where the genesis of this legislation started. I think that's their goal, although I think it is ham-handed and inelegant. I don't think it will accomplish what it needs to, and I think it is overly punitive. But I understand what they're trying to do because I've been at the other end of that. And the problem and, and the reason that I've got a little sensitivity for the, the restaurant worker is the reason being when you're on that end, not only are you at the bottom end, as you talked about it, on the income level, you're below minimum wage. So any cut of your tips or your ability to earn. Well, it depends on what restaurant larger. you work yeah, at. Yeah, that's true. Of that course. is true. But again, the but again, the fine dining establishments are fewer than the, you know, regular mom and pop and the, you know, and the franchises. So, the people that are making right. the high-end stuff, that's that's well, fantastic. It, and it's different. And and because mm-hmm. I know the amount of tips that you can get coming out of those fine and, you know, fine dining areas, and that's fantastic and they do a really good job because those people are really really good. The dude that is serving you at Chili's not so much. So, so I understand the difference in those, but so, I, yeah, I just think it's inelegant I mean, and wrong. I, I, I yeah. agree that it's understandable what they're trying to go for. But when you're talking about 14 days in advance, that's two weeks. Yeah, and then dumb. you have all of these requirements as far as the amount of money that you're supposed to pay. 
uh, when you have decisions where you might be like, okay, we have a, a slow day that's going on, especially if it's a restaurant that you know has slow nights. And that can often happen in those more fine dining kind of establishments yeah, where it's like, okay, yeah. it's it's a time when, you, especially depending on location, et cetera. You're also talking about the entire state of Colorado. So there are various parts of the state that have significantly different influxes of people at various times of the year, so on and so forth. And to just expect that the businesses are going to be able to make these decisions uh, is absolutely ludicrous. I mean – I think I think it's understandable exactly what you're saying as far as what happens for the the everyday servers and bussers and so on and so forth. And and what happens when they're told, oh, we don't need you today. But sometimes that isn't something that you can account for. And you can't just expect the businesses to to make up the slack for that when it happens. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. And and it's a this is a difficult one for me because um, being on that worker side of it. I can see an advantage for if I get to send if I get sent home early that maybe the employer has to pay me for the remaining hour or pay me for the remaining hour there and the next hour. I I can see that from the employee side. However, I can also see it from the business side that wait a minute, we are at a point in which I am going to make less revenue tonight and I'm forced then to spend this additional revenue in order to send people home that are not working. And that to me is also something that I believe is a little untenable. So both sides I understand, but I also think that that, that this is an inelegant solution. I don't think that they've gone about it right. And again, the 14-day rule, no. I, I can see seven because many, many things can change inside of restaurants. And anybody's, anybody's managed restaurants knows things like sometimes you have parties yeah. that show up and it's like, oh, this place that we had can't canceled now i need to set this thing up and you've got seven days so having having me my hands constrained to not be able to take this revenue opportunity in my private dining room where i can make a premium and also bring in more workers but i can't do it because i didn't have the stupid schedule out because i didn't anticipate well, this future Bill, event even seven yeah. days like you consider a situation like you're a restaurant in colorado and you have weather where you can't even accurately predict like i was saying on on my show in this chair on saturday morning that the National Weather Service was giving a warning that we could have up to 18, 8 to 12 inches of snow between Sunday and Tuesday. It didn't happen, but we've had times where it did or where we're supposed to get a little bit and then you get a lot. And that's just one little example. I don't think the government should be coming in at all and mandating these kinds of things in a time period. I could maybe see at most and I'm not. I'm not a, uh, supportive of this. I oppose it, but I could I could maybe at least see the requirement of if you have to leave them er, leave early or something like that, then um, then maybe you have an hour or two that's required as this law would provide. But and I'll read a little text that came in from uh, Alexa here. Predictability pay, complete BS and a destructive business model. I was a lifeguard for several years. There were times we had huge thunderstorms and closed the pool. Same with golf courses. They can't even predict weather two days out. Saturday morning, 121, the forecast out. Okay, this is exactly what I was saying. It was 8 to 12 inches of snow from Sunday evening to Tuesday. We had less than one inch. Love to see how the state and cities would go about predictability pay for snow plow drivers. I just don't see how this is tenable for businesses to plan. And I could see restaurants that normally don't make you um, sign up in advance, like days in advance, say, well, as a result of the new law, we cannot accept walk-in customers. We've only been able to plan out for our 
allotment that we can bring in the people and be able to afford them, especially if something happens and we got to let them go early or we would normally have to say, might have to say, well, we're closing down. Well, the the restaurant should know over the course of if they have at least uh, three months in business, they have at least a snapshot of their dining patterns. So they should be able to predict. And that is part of the restaurant's manager's That's, that job. Is, that is, is not as tenable as you think. I have learned uh, this. I didn't know this as, so much. Uh, until I started dating my girlfriend and learning how I, how these planning purposes can work and how or planning uh, uh, steps and methods work and how yeah you can make the, a lot of those predictions and pretty accurately well, especially yeah, you if your can. restaurant you can. that's I mean, predominantly I've, based yeah, on um, signups yeah. in advance. But I've, I've helped manage. I have helped manage you know the, the restaurants and and even country clubs and and you do have an idea. But it's you presumptive the for the government to come know, in but, and tell but, them, but, hey, but you, you got to do this. You do know your slow days and you do know your busy days. So does that you, justify you do the government that. coming in and oh, no, saying, oh, no, well, we're going to expect you know this? But what I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is, it shouldn't be down to the T. But what I'm saying is the the idea that the business can't predict it is a fallacy. They can't predict it. Not. I'm not saying that they are going to To an be, extent. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say they're going to be super accurate, but they're going to be only about as accurate as basically our weather forecaster. They have an idea of what is probably going to happen, and there are going to be pluses and minuses. And, and part of that is going to be sometimes, yes, you're going to be slow and you have to cut people back. The other part of that is sometimes you're busy and you have to call in extra people. And that's uncomfortable and difficult as well, or right. times in which someone well, but, is sick. But, and there are, there are pushes and pulls on either side. True, but Bill, again, we're talking about a mandate coming from the government that will expect that you are able to make two weeks out, or even a week out, as you're suggesting, potentially, that you're able to make these kinds of judgments, and and then you have to bear the costs that may come up. See, now, and especially I, I when we are coming costs. out of the pandemic, absolutely, that's a, a challenge for these businesses. It could be crushing. I do, though, think that it is unrealistic to ask a workforce to not be able to plan seven days out if you can't get me a schedule. And then the reason being behind that, and just it's not a perfect analogy, but the issues we had recently with Southwest Airlines, that sometimes those people aren't getting their flight schedules until that day. And that creates an issue the, when very different things industry. go back. I know very different industry, but the issue is how far out people can plan and how far out they can staff things. And staffing by last minute is a recipe for disaster sure. long term. I don't think so restaurants is, are as bad at that. No, but the idea is that if, re- if, if I'm an employee and the restaurant cannot give me a work schedule for the next seven days, I'm sorry, that is bad management. You should be able to predict that. Now, it's not set in stone, but... If the management cannot predict staffing over the next seven days with somewhat with somewhat of an accuracy, they are bad at their job. So then, Bill, would you think that a law that said, "Okay, you must provide a schedule to your to each employee that covers the next seven days, but without these punitive measures of the additional costs and everything like that that can add up and and be indeed punitive, especially for an industry that is struggling right now coming out of the pandemic, that that would be acceptable. That yeah. at least you have the requirement that you're supposed to provide a schedule for within a week in advance, which I do think is reasonable. I think it's an unnecessary law, but I think that there could at least be a, a case to be made, the kind that you are making, that requires – 
that without these additional expenses and things oh, that the government's I, trying to I don't like the additional slap on them. I don't like the additional expenses at all, but I do like the idea of, okay, predictability. And what I would do is I would write, if I was going to be in charge of that law, I would say that, again, if you can demonstrate a pattern of behavior, so it would have to be a number of months in a row in which you can't get the seven-day you know work schedule, yeah. then there are going to be punitive things you can do in court. There may be something where I can go in and I can get a percentage of okay. my salary. I can do things like that. If you're not delivering it to me, but I, I do, I disagree with the the aspect of these punitive hours. I, I think there may be something there. I just think is with lawmakers, they they've done it ham handed and they've come so, in with a sledgehammer okay. when it needs a scalpel. So I yeah. I could understand um, and at least accept that argument and that idea of uh, seven days in advance is required. Uh, and then after a period of time, you know, you go through however many weeks or whatever, then you can go to a civil court and you can present a, a challenge and say, hey, I didn't have this. And as a result, here are the wages that I expect that yeah. I have lost. Yep. Because also the, the marketplace also, if we had that rule, the marketplace also might be self-correcting. Sure. Because if I know I can go to John's Barbecue and I can get my seven-day schedule, but I go over here and I go to Sam's Barbecue and Sam's giving me 48 hours notice, then I'm going to go to John. I think, so it's I think a, market can that's also... That's much more reasonable, yeah. Bill. Yeah. I, I, I think this is one of the things I like kind of working out, live Absolutely. on the air, working yeah. out the issues of a particular proposal, because you might be able to find something that could at least be pretty sensible. Yeah, and here's the stupid part about it is we had a bunch of grown-ass adults that sat around, and they had conversations like you and I are having, and they came to that solution. I know. And yet we wonder why nothing gets fixed. Ugh. We wonder... Why, why stuff is still broken and why we get dumbass laws is because of this. This is the example. Jimmy and I are not rocket scientists, but we can figure out some reasonable Live accommodations. Live on the radio in 10 yes. minutes of bringing exactly. you on. Exactly. Yeah. But no, we get people that are actually paid to do this. And what do they come with? Dumbass solutions. That's your government action, Now folks. that I can get on board with. Yeah. 110 percent, Bill Thorpe. Thanks, brother. 303-696-1971. What are your thoughts on this monstrous bill that's about to be introduced in the legislature? And on top of that, what do you make of the alternative proposal that Billy suggested? This whole idea of, well, okay, let's require seven days notice. And then after a certain period of time, certain qualifications are met, if you will, uh, then you can go to court and say, hey, these are damages that I should get. I'm owed this pay or what have you. I think much more sensible when you're actually making a lot of those arguments in court, too. That's often the best way to suss these things out as opposed to, well, we're going to have a law that demands automatically you're, you're owed X, Y, and Z as a result of not meeting a particular law. Text coming in. Some small businesses are not that sophisticated to project employee account slash budget. Small businesses will go the way of the dodo. That's where perhaps you can have some exceptions. If we if we did what Billy's suggesting, you can have some exceptions that um, that say businesses below this size. But even then, it gets problematic. This bill, though, would absolutely be destructive to small mom-and-pop restaurants, for sure. We are well overdue for a break, though. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger, filling in for George Brockler. What are your thoughts? Text in, call in, 303-696-1971. Keep it right here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS.
22 minutes before 7 o'clock. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler this morning. News Talk 710-KNUS talking about a bill set to be introduced in the Colorado legislature that it's absolutely ludicrous. Going at the service economy, it would require that Colorado restaurants, among other businesses, do the following. Affected employees would have to be told their work schedule 14 days in advance. As the Gazette notes in their editorial, nearly impossible for much of the service industry. Employees would have to be paid a full hour's wage for any time added to a shift and two full hours wages for any time subtracted from a shift. Laying off workers or simply shutting down could be the result, they point out. Overtime pay would be mandated for any hours that an employee works within 12 hours of the last shift. Uh, This is absolutely stunning. And as one listener texts in, is this really something that's a problem? What really is the problem? And a problem that needs to be fixed, and I would add, needs to be fixed by the government? The all-knowing, all-powerful state of Colorado? Really? Nonsense. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Don in Colorado Springs, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm just, it's not easy being confused with a lot of Dons in the KNUS audience. <laughs> right. There, you know? right? I know. We got a lot. We got a lot. Go ahead. I mean, uh, one thing that uh, the reason why the Democrats uh, thrive so much, and especially in the modern age, is the promise to uh, take care of the workers, you know, and Peter Boyles talked about it being fascism's sweet song, and this is just another. Uh, you're entitled to a living mentality, you know, two weeks, you know, I mean, you know, sucks to be you mentality. And all you're getting is just basically more work on the industry that cannot predict the future. Not even a weather forecaster can predict the future. It, it can only look at the present, tr- the past and present trends. And all you're doing is going to kill another business for the sake of, right. uh, for the worker it is the, the idea worker who, who, here who wants to be comfortable are you suggesting here that this is just another example of the nanny state mentality let's take care of the workers from the government standpoint and to hell with the businesses they just have to comply that's that's how the worker thinks take care of me well, I, you know, I don't do think that. that's necessarily how the worker thinks that's how these government peeps the legislators, the all-knowing, well, all-powerful well, the authorities, how they approach. The it is our duty to provide, our duty to care for the workers. Well, the government peeps, you know, they talk they, they talk a good game, but in the long run, it's it's all about power. It's, it's, it's their love to abuse and shut down and destroy. I mean, this is the Marxist mentality in so many places that it's tried. They talk yeah. about rebuilding it, but they don't know how to rebuild it. They just they just destroy it. Right, right. The, 
this is why you need a small and limited government, because the private sector knows how to accomplish those objectives. The government can only swoop in and tell you, expecting that they might know or not caring whether they know or not. It's just we're and this often happens with environmental regulations on the oil and gas industry. We are just going to tell you what to do and you're going to have to figure out how to do it come what may. I mean, the only the only thing I can say is the last resort is to have that counter revolution against mm-hmm. the Marxist revolution. Otherwise, just submit and and, and watch your. Well, uh, I don't think it takes a revolution country. for us to push back. I think there are other ways to do it, including I mean, th- showing up and yeah. opposing a bill like this. But Don, I, 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 I agree. I, I agree with you. But I mean, ultimately, you know the. Uh, Republican-Democrat paradigm, I mean, it, it is not working. And if the Republicans, if we don't have more Republicans that stand up like they did weeks ago, I mean, I mean, there, there has to be another way to get redress. I mean, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying we should advocate for war, but I mean, that's a last resort. Well, but, well I mean, let's, let's know, just go at this point, Don. Let's start with opposing a bill like this, because this Billy, hasn't even and, been and introduced. Billy, and Billy had a good... And Billy had a good point, so, I mean, that that's a good compromise. Yeah. All right, Don. Hey, I appreciate the call. As always, 303-696-1971. This speaks of the business obligation to the employee. What of the employee obligation to the business, comes the text. Can they call in sick, request a day off inside that two-week set schedule? Is there a penalty for poor service or bonus for good service? There's nothing more that reflects free market than service businesses. That is a great point. And when you talk about the idea of like within a seven-day time period, perhaps trying to reach some sort of compromise, what if you have an employee? Billy and I were talking about this during the break. What if you have an employee who ruptures his appendix or gets into a car accident or has a family emergency with their kid? What do you do? What are the implications on that business? Even in a compromise situation it, where, say, you have all we're doing is you got to provide a schedule for seven days in advance. And then if you don't, the employee over a period of time could demonstrate that in court and say, hey, I need damages. Well, then you need to or I need back pay or what have you that I didn't get. I should have gotten that I would have gotten if I'd been given schedule in advance, so on and so forth. Well, even then, you need to account for the ruptured appendix or the other spur-of-the-moment issue that comes up with an employee. This kind of nanny state mentality is absolutely insane. Where can I find this story? I'd like to send it to a Democrat friend who owns restaurants. Um, The Denver Gazette has an editorial, denvergazette.com. Go to the editorials page under opinion. It's entitled An Assault on Colorado's Service Economy, and it's from January 23rd, which is yesterday. Uh, That should be called, this bill should be called the No More Tip Bill. Okay, there you go. Absolutely. The ruling class, especially the left, desires to eliminate small businesses. Green energy, Obamacare, the government is at war with its citizens. It does seem like that, doesn't it? Especially in terms of the private sector and this presumptuous mentality and contemptuous mentality of those who are in power in government. This is the biggest reason why I am an advocate 
for limited government and getting government out of the way because that kind of contempt from our elected officials and our unelected bureaucrats who believe that they can swoop in and being all-knowing and all-powerful can dictate to businesses and people how to operate and how to live their lives, that breeds worse and worse government because the minute those contemptuous officials are able to do things like this, is the minute they start deepening their contempt and micromanaging other aspects of your life and you lose freedom, you lose liberty. And that is fundamentally what we have seen. And the Democrats are the prime examples of contempt for the average person and the average business. Because you can see about all the new taxes and fees and regulations and rules that have been put into effect under the guise of helping people or accomplishing certain objectives. And the squeeze that is being put on the people of Colorado and the businesses of Colorado is disastrous. And it is unacceptable. Period. 303-696-1971. What are your thoughts? Please feel free to text in as well in the 710K and US app. Keep them coming and keep it right here. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler. We'll be back on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710K and US. If you support you're in the legislature and you support this bill we've been talking about that's set to be introduced in the legislature that will gut service sector businesses, you absolutely should go. That's for darn sure. The conceit that we are seeing in the legislature holds no bounds. The The contempt as well. My goodness. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in. For George Brockler this morning, right here on News Talk 710-KNUS. And in fact, I'm very excited. Oh, my goodness. It's always a treat when you're filling in for someone and that person is able to join you on the program. George Brockler is calling in. I think that's who we're talking with. George, good morning. Don't know why we're not hearing George. Hello. Hey, George, there you are. Hey, Billy, if you guys are talking, I cannot hear you. I cannot hear you. Uh-uh. No, uh, I can hear you. Okay. So George can, he- we can hear George, he can't hear us. I can hear it like we're in the booth, and I'm hearing the audio come in over a speaker, not actually on the call. Well, Billy, do we want to come back with George? All right, we're going to see what we can do and get him back on a little bit later here on the program. Again, Jimmy in for George Brockler. We'll sort this thing out. Here we go, text coming in. This is a stupid intervention of the government trying to fix problems by interrupting the invisible hand. Just like increasing the minimum wage to an inappropriate amount, predictability pay will increase the business's costs, which will increase prices, which will result in less customers, less revenue, which will cause decreased staffing. Yes, you put it succinctly there. Without a doubt, it is the vicious cycle that the government will perpetuate. These people are idiots, the text continues. I like the texter pointing out 
This is very one-sided. Restaurants and other businesses have suffered a lot during the last 18 months with people just not showing up to work. Yes, exactly. In fact, that is not an uncommon thing where you have people, you hire a new employee and then they're a no-show. Or they don't end up coming in for their orientation day and don't even get started on their work. Or they just decide willy-nilly, well, I don't want to go to work today, so I'm not going to go to work today. And the businesses are just supposed to take it? You got this family program, the paid family and medical leave initiative that literally is just not going to be financially viable. It's not. The projections are already there. Up to 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave required under law starting next year. Businesses already have to endure that. And I say endure that because that is an extensive amount of time that you could be without an employee and then have to bring them back afterwards. Now, businesses should be able to make that decision and determine whether or not they're able to give such a long span of leave time. But why is the onus always on the business? Why is it always the business must be put in this position and basically have to care for people under the auspices of the government? Businesses should be treating their employees well, respectfully, paying them well, giving them benefits, doing things that will make them competitive as employers too. But they are not in the business of taking care of people like the left seems to think and the government mandates. Absolutely ludicrous and utterly and reprehensibly out of touch to boot. This bill is a monstrosity and must be defeated to be sure. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler coming up in the next hour. Communication and crisis coach, host of The Crisis Files, Rashini Rajkumar will join us. We'll take your calls as well, 303-696-1971, and we'll get George on soon. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, News Talk 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.